1: Does the draft mean anything a month in? And also that new World Heavyweight Championship held by Seth Rollins. Also, we talked to WWE Hall of Famer, Ricky Morton, and Event Sevenfold Basis, Johnny Christ, right now on the Busted Open Podcast. How would you have booked. Seth Rollins last night. Thank you for reminding me.
2: Yep, and I do want to get to the nation, but this is so simple that I just wanted to get it out there. AJ Styles was so unnecessary last night. Not that I don't like AJ, don't love seeing him wrestle, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. Start the show with Seth Rollins going out there, doing his thing, and Re explaining his mission statement. I said that I was going to make this championship more popular than Roman's championship. I said I was going to put more prestige on the belt. I said I was going to defend it. I said I was going to do this and do that. And that's exactly what I plan to do. Night one on Monday Night Raw, as your new WWE World Heavyweight Champion, I am defending this championship tonight in Albany, New York. Big pop. It just depends on who it's going to be. Whose music is hitting first? Who's the number one contender? Who's got the guts to step up to Seth freaking Rollins. Boom. You hit the, you hit the, uh, the judgment days music. Okay. And then you build up the whole night that it's going to be one of the judgment day versus, uh, versus, uh, Seth Rollins for the, the the championship but who's it going to be is it going to be is it going to be priest is it going to be balor is it going to be uh uh, dom is it going to be right and now throughout the show we see priest and balor saying uh bro i think i should get the shot no bro who do i i think i should get the shot and then we come back in the next segment, and and Priest goes, you know what, Balor, you're right, you do deserve the shot. And then Balor comes back and goes, hey, hey Priest, you know what? I think you should get the shot. You're right. You're right. And that's the thread. Which one of the Judgment Day are we getting against Seth Rollins? And then finally, they look over at Mommy and they ask Mommy, who do you think should get the shot? And Mommy says. I think my Dom Dom should get the shot. Oh, now we're getting Dom Dom, the guy who's got the most heat in the WWE against Seth Rollins. The most undeserving guy is getting the shot because mommy said so. Now we get Dum Dum in the ring with Seth Rollins, right? And Dum Dum, that's a little, uh, <clears throat> that's a little throwback to Cannonball Run 2. <laughs> Dum Dom, Dom Dom. Anyway, so now we're gonna about to get uh um Dominic versus Seth Rollins, but the bell rings and Finn slides in and nails Seth or pre-slides in, and we get Seth versus one of them. Seth over clean. One, two, three, basically beats up four members of the Judgment Day. Seth holds the World Heavyweight Championship over his head, and now Seth is doing exactly what he said he was going to do and exactly what Triple H said he was going to do. Is that rocket science? No. It's not. Did I just split the atom?
1: No, and it it makes perfect sense. And, and, And again, like last night, Rollins pinned... Damian Priest in the tag match in a in a meaningless tag match, but you know you could have had. I don't think I don't think Damian Priest would have been hurt at all last night, or Finn Balor or Dominic, if they would have lost to Seth Rollins in the main event last night in an open World Heavyweight Championship match. it, it, it and and it would have been exciting, and it would have again to your point made a definitive statement night one that. Seth Rollins anytime, anywhere will defend this World Heavyweight Championship unlike Roman
2: Reigns who never defends his championships. Seth pinned Priest. What is the big deal about pinning him in a tag match when you're the new World Heavyweight Champion? If you're going to beat the guy, why don't you beat the guy the way you said you're going to do it? I want to see Seth Rollins treat this world heavyweight championship the way John Cena treated the U S championship. And if you go back in time, did John Cena elevate that U S championship when he had it? Yes. It meant something because it was an open challenge. So let's forget about rankings and who really deserves anything because it's so, so hard to stick to a rankings system based on wins and losses because pro wrestling is too fluid at times. So let's not pigeonhole ourselves. Even AEW has gotten away from their own rankings because it just becomes a little bit too difficult. Well, why should this guy get the shot? Or why should this gal get the shot? Because she beat this one. Ah, Throw that out the door. You never want to box yourself or paint yourself into a corner. um, uh, Creatively Seth should go out there open challenge every week. I am defending this world championship any place as a matter of fact get rid of the frickin'. his new name is seth anytime any place rollins because that's how much he believes in himself and his ability to out wrestle everybody on the raw side and then guess what dave once he goes through everybody on the raw side then if they want to bring somebody over from smackdown ooh. A SmackDown guy is coming over to challenge Rollins. This is this is easy. So I don't. I, it's not just why- easy.
1: It's big. Like you just said. First of all, bully to, to rewind from yesterday. You definitively said right before we signed off the show yesterday, I want to see Rollins defend this World Heavyweight Champion. It needs to start tonight. So I understand why you're so passionate and upset about what you saw last night because that would have been such a great statement about a World Heavyweight Championship bully. The reason they created this World Heavyweight Championship is because everyone was complaining that Roman never defends the championship. What better way to make a statement than having night number one Seth Rollins defend this World Heavyweight Championship. But what, but what Seth did is exactly what Roman is doing. Roman threw himself into a tag match. That's exactly what Seth did last night on Monday Night Raw. So how is this world Heavy Today, I'm not saying in the future, but Bully, let me ask you. Today, right now, on May 30th, 2023, how is this world heavyweight championship any different than the championship titles that Roman Reigns is holding right now?
2: Well, it's got three lion's heads on it to represent, you know, the family. And then it's got the family's crest. And then it's got a little Bruno thrown in there, a little Hulk Hogan thrown in there. And it's got some flowery things and some fleur-de-leaves. But it doesn't.
3: It doesn't. <laughs>
1: He's a Hall of Famer and is the one and only Ricky Morton. Ricky, thank you so much for the time, and welcome to Busted Open. Well,
4: guys, thank you very much. Uh, It's a pleasure to be on your show. What's up, Bully Ray?
2: Ricky Morton, how are you, sir? Uh, Before we go any further, I just want to say it's a pleasure to talk to you this morning, and I will always give you your props, you uh, and Robert. Whenever anybody asks me about my top teams, it's the Road Warriors, the Rock and Roll, and the Midnight. End of story. You are one of my favorite human beings in the entire wrestling industry, and you are by far one of the greatest tag teams that have ever existed. Now, enough blowing smoke up your old ass. Let's get down to business.
4: All righty, let's do
2: it. Yeah. What? Well, no, ask me a question. I can take. I'm you trying me. to. I'm trying to book an angle with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but but really quick,
1: because there is a lot to talk to you about. It's a lot to talk to you about what's coming up, you know, with the Crockett Cup. But but one thing that I've never had the opportunity to ask you, and you know, that feud with the Midnight Express, obviously one of the greatest feuds of all time. Um, but how much the fans? loved you and you are a part of a time when tag team wrestling would main event shows and you know and we're seeing that a little bit right now and i know we want to get into that but talk about the fandom that you experienced back when you and the rock and roll express were at your heights
4: well i mean i appreciate that you know the fans did love us but it was so easy because the team we wrestled they hated them uh that was a uh, era and a time where the heels got heat and they knew how to keep it. Now, uh, you see a lot of these. You know, we're from the olden days. You know, And I, and a lot of people I hear on the air, they're uh, listening to me talk and they, they're thinking to themselves, damn, he's still alive. Yeah, I'm still out here and I'm still alive. But go back and watch some of these matches. So now, the ones that they have taped. Now, we started our feud with the Midnight Express in Louisiana uh, during the Mid-South days, and we took it on to NWA. But you see, this is every night. Guys, you know, we didn't do like a show every Monday or every Tuesday. We wrestled every night, and every arena was sold out, not only because of us, but it was because of the heat on the heels and the crew that we had, because everybody then could work or wrestle, however you want to call it.
2: Ricky, let me ask you about the upcoming Crockett Cup. You'll be teaming with your son, Kerry Morton. How rewarding is it for you to be able to tag with your son? But on the flip side, is it frustrating at times? Do you want to see Kerry move ahead quicker? or are there any lessons that you tried to teach Kerry that he hasn't grasped yet, as quickly as you would have?
4: Well, understand me. I'm a second-generation wrestler, and he's a third-generation wrestler. I know the times that I spent on my dad are priceless, and I pray every day or wish every day that I could go back to have one more day. Uh, You know, Kerry's in there. One thing that uh, I'm, I'm slowing him down a little bit Bully because he still has another year of college. And uh, my main thing is for him to uh, get his education, and not only for outside of this business, but for this business. And this business, having an education is more important than anything. Uh, knowing how to talk, knowing how to do business, knowing how to do a lot of shit that, that I have nothing <laughs> or know nothing about. No, I don't want to slow him down. Uh, right now he's in a good place. We're at NWA. Uh, Billy uh, He's a friend of mine I love working for him He's a good promoter The owner of NWA he, You know, carries in a good spot right there But he's still got a lot A lot to learn uh, In our business And yes, do I get on to him? Yes, sometimes it is frustration uh, I'm in the ring working with him And I'm just, and, and you're trying to ask him Trying to kayfabe What the hell did you do that for Okay, what did you do that for? What did that mean? Why well, can't we tell a story? And it's, it's like me being a babyface. Uh, I, I tell a story before I even ball my damn fist up, you know, and then I tell another two things before I even hit the, the guy with the, with the fist. It's just a part of learning and understanding. Uh, and I, but, You know, I have a wrestling school, and I tell people, I can't teach you how to work. You've got to teach your own self how to work. But you got to be in the ring with people that are twice better than you, and you work with them every night, and then you learn and you learn and listen. Uh, I, I, I love the part of him where he's at right now. He's 20, twenty-two years old. You know, I never got a break in a business till I was like thirty, uh, because you know then it was territory days and the business was changing. But I'm, I'm happy for him, Billy. He, you know, he's got a, a bright future ahead of him.
2: Ricky, you talked about the younger talent learning and listening. Dave LaGreca was just telling us a story about how he was in a locker room the other day and Tito Santana was telling a story and he noticed that the majority of the locker room, the younger talent was listening, but there also were certain younger talents that weren't listening and they were on their phone. What's your relationship like with younger wrestlers today do you find that they are as much of a sponge as you were as an up-and-coming talent do you find that they truly want to learn from veterans or they're too interested in the feedback on social media
4: well okay you that was the one you hit it on and and i'm not trying to be a squirrel jumping from to limb, but i i want to make an example because you just asked me that question did any of you guys watch Devil or Nothing the other night?
2: Yeah, sure. We, we watched the whole thing. Okay.
4: And I'm not here to knock people. But then, you you know, you got to ask questions about the writers. You know, I mean, I don't understand if they're trying to wrestle or insult the fans. Uh, you know, a lot of things to me, you got to make the matches listen because somebody is not listening somewhere. Now, for example, I'm going to take this right here. You know, they built – warlord to be a badass and and they built him. they built and then you go out in a match and to me it seems like these guys are going out there for business for themselves not sticking to the storylines not doing things you know and in, in wrestling you got to be able to learn to work t- together or oh, they got to listen to the agents Or so the agents don't have a damn clue what they're doing uh to me, and it's just like right here, and you just asked me, and I'm going to finish this with one line, because everybody in this business thinks they know everything, but what it boils down to, they don't know shit, okay? Is that, did I answer
2: your question good enough? I mean, you, you started to give an example. You brought up AEW Double or Nothing. Um, yeah. Did you... Did you see things on that show? You brought up Wardlow. So what was frustrating about Wardlow or the Wardlow match in which you felt that they were working for themselves and not the story of the match?
4: He's a big badass. He sold the whole fucking match. Did you notice that? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, if he's that badass, uh, you got to go with that storyline. it's it just seems to me sometimes billy bully billy bully hell to hell you got me on you can
2: call me whatever you want you're ricky morton you're like god so you can call me whatever you want my ass is my ass is ready to
4: dip red man but you know it's just like they built him and, and the match just didn't get over to me i felt like it i felt like the fans didn't get their money's worth uh that's my part uh a few things to put together, you know, sometimes it's hard to explain, but it. Well, uh, well,
1: Ricky, let me jump in for just a second, because yes. you know I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Wardlow and I, and we've talked about on the show where Wardlow was red hot and then he got completely cooled down. They're trying to build him back up again. And you mentioned about his size and he's a badass and and yes. he is. So you had definitely had a problem with the selling in that match as far as how much he sold. So what you're saying is he yeah, sold way too much in that match. Yes. Okay. But, see, but there's
4: a different way to sell without. without. See, it's called working, guys. Uh, even though, you know, the heel, you know, it's a lot of other things you do besides keep covering him. And, you know, it's it's learning just to work with each other. I mean, see, when I – I never had guaranteed money. I had to work every every night, even right now, as me being an old man and my old ass getting up in the ring. I'm a baby face. I don't like to win. Do you understand what I'm saying? I cannot draw money winning. The heel has to beat my ass and screw me on the finish for me to come back with him next week. That's my whole point. About that, and then neither said what we say here. Go, I'm jumping to another. Three. Did you watch the interviews after the after the show was over on AEW? Did you uh, Did you listen to MJF? Yes. Yes. Interview. Okay. Now let's start talking about it. has AEW have they bought WWE? I don't know. Do you think so? I don't know. Do you, you know? You hear that because his whole interview was about Hunter. About AEW, I mean about WWE. Did you notice that?
1: He did. He did talk about Nick Khan and Triple H in the interview after 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 yeah. the match. Yes.
4: Okay. I mean, unless they bought that company, you don't need to mention that. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's the last thing on your mind uh, because all you're doing is promoting that company. Uh, so just a few things. I, uh, you know, I'm not the greatest <laughs> putting up an example for something, uh, but I know this business. Uh, you know, the guys have got to start getting their storylines down. They need to start listening to the agents that want to go. You know, Billy, what, Billy. I mean, Billy, you was in a situation one me one time where we we're trying to go over a match in Nashville, and, and, you, and you're dealing with people that don't know what the hell they're doing. Do you understand me?
2: Oh, I'll go into specifics, Ricky. I don't care. I won't name yeah, names, definitely. but Dave, Dave, here's what happened. And to listeners, there was uh, uh, it was Ricky and his and his son Kerry against two other well-known younger guys in the business. And one of the younger guys is basically telling Ricky Morton what to do. And I heard this over and over and over again. And Ricky is trying to be very nice and respectful of the younger talent and tell the younger talent, Hey, maybe we should go about it this way. And not only is this younger talent not listening, he's basically blowing Ricky Morton off. So I turned around okay. to the younger talent and I told him my advice to you is to shut the fuck up and listen to Ricky Morton.
4: Oh, is that how it went well, down, they, Ricky? That's exactly how it went down. And, and then when you get to this and not knowing how to work, you know, on the finish, you know, here I am sixty-six years old, and I get knocked out on the finish because of them not knowing what to do and not listening to people. See, that's that's my problem with today. Everybody and I just said this earlier, everybody's a business for themselves. Uh, it's it's not trying to work to get all your angles over, your programs over. I call them programs. So get them to get them over and keep this storyline going for the people to have something to watch. It seems like I quit watching a lot of wrestling, but I watched double, nothing of night a little bit of it anyway. Because I'm bored. And hell this is what I do for a living. This is what I love. There's nothing in in the world, you know, besides my family, that I love in this wrestling business. I love I still love performing at the age of sixty six. I still love going to. it. I still watch – I love to sit down and just watch a good match from the beginning to tell a story, and that whole match tells a story to the finish. But, hell, I watch some matches, man, they, they, they don't even lock up. They just start hitting the ropes, and it frustrates me sometimes. Uh, our business no, Ricky. is still a great business. We just need to have people in there that know what they're doing. And that could set this stuff up and make sure the damn guys listen to him.
2: Ricky, tell me about the last match that you sat down and you watched from beginning to end and checked all the boxes that you enjoy about a good, whether it's a singles match or a tag match, what was the last match that you really enjoyed?
4: The last match I really enjoyed, I, I watched uh, FTR. Is that right? I don't know. Shit. Yes.
1: Yeah, yep. it's I like are. Those
4: guys, But I left, I watched one of their matches, only, and I really loved it. I don't know who they was even against, but I just watched them because the guys worked together, and they tried to tell a story in the match, and which they did. Uh, I can't remember specific. I can't believe I couldn't tell you what day it is. Hell, I barely know my
1: day. I, I'm going to guess, but, uh, Ricky, I'm going to go on a limb and probably guess it was against the Briscoes. What's that? I'm going to guess that you know, maybe that I match was, was the, the Briscoes. I, I, I
4: think it was. And uh, I think it was the Briscoes. It damn sure was. I watched this match and they told a hell of a story. And uh, nobody tried to outdo each other. Do you know, in tag, you, you tattled me earlier about tag team wrestling, and this is what I'm trying to preach to my son. You can't go out there and try to outdo each other. I see that happen so many times. You know, this one baby face did a better spot than the other one did. Holy shit. It's not working together. Uh, You know, my thing when Robert and I, my my thing is to sell. My thing was to give Robert a hot tag, and the hot tag, and then we go into the finish. Uh, You noticed, I know all you do, you sit all the time. Guys trying to outdo each other, trying to do a better spot than this other guy. I don't know if they're trying to get a better spot in the business of the Spengler's spot, or they just actually don't know what the hell they're doing. That's what really kills me. But, uh, yes, you are right. It was a Briscoes, and they had a hell of a match. And that was one of the last times I watched a match. Because I get bored. Uh, you know, guys ask me to watch their matches. I go out. And if, if in two minutes they ain't got my attention, I walk back to the back. I only want to see it no more because it frustrates me, uh, It makes me mad. You know they have, You know I work for NWA, and I watch some of these guys that are trying out. And look here, the first spot they do is start throwing punches and kicking, and that's the whole damn match. That's their whole trial match.
1: Let me ask you this, and and you can use the NWA as an example because I know you work there, Ricky. Like, are yeah. there younger talent that are respectful, that do listen, that want to learn, that, that go to you and will take your advice and use it when they get back into the ring?
4: Yeah, me. Yes, they do. A whole bunch <laughs> of them do. You know, kind of, you know, like Cyrus, he, you know, he come to my wrestling school just to learn how to work TV. He begged me, and I took time off. To go to my school to spend time with him there alone. Not only him, there's a, a, several of them that when I come back. But then there's a couple of them that when you do try to sit it down and talk to you, they look at you like you got a turd on your head. But no, I have a few of them there. Yeah, and and NWA and is a great place to wrestle for young kids. You know, they if you do good, they give you a chance, and if you don't do good, they kick you out. But the same thing. It's like we was talking about earlier. You know, I'm in some of the meetings and I'm listening to, to some of the stories and, and what the agents want, and it, it's, but, but I don't know if the guys don't want to do it or they just screwed it up to finish because it damn sure didn't come out the way that it should have had on paper.
2: Ricky, you said something earlier in our chat that, you know, I know exactly what you mean and where you're coming from, but for a lot of the younger wrestlers who listen to busted open who might not get it. Why do you always want to lose? Why do you never want to win a match as a babyface?
4: Because the people pay to see me win. Ah. Uh, and I never do. That's why they keep coming back. <laughs> when That's that's the part about drawing money. And I'm going to tell you, this is one thing that I, that I did. This is an example. You know, I first went to uh, uh, Brett Lauderdale's company, GCWS.
1: Yes, GCWS. Uh,
4: I'm going to work with Effie. And uh, they had a finish for me to beat Effie. And I told him, I said, I don't want to beat Effie. And he asked me, why? And I said... Because if I beat him, I can't wrestle him no more. I already beat him. Uh, he's a heel at that time, and a good heel. And you see, and, and they go, we never thought about it that way. Well, I did. I've wrestled him a hundred times since then. Do you understand me? That's uh, because people paid. It's, but when you work territories back in their days, you know, that's what it existed of. You know, even like Jimmy Cornette, the manager, did you ever see me put my hands on him? Only nope. one, you know, rubbed his face in the cake. No, I wouldn't get near him, and if I got near him, I had Bobby or your Dennis or Stan one to cut me off because I don't want to take the heat off of them, you know. The, the, and then when they always screw you in the finish, you see you got your interviews to come back, and that's another thing I talk to you about since I said that, guys, and you got me on a roll as the interviews. I uh, listened to some of these guys' interviews and. And even, you know, I was an impact bully not long ago. Boy, did I have a good time. I love them guys there. I love all the wrestlers. But one of the baby faces was doing an interview. And when it was over, I called him over to the side and I said, Man, instead of you telling how bad you're going to whoop this guy's ass and who you are, you're a tough guy. I said, Why don't you do an interview? For the people, you know, you know me. You know what I do. When you come to see me, I give you your money's worth. Uh,
1: the NWA, the Crockett Cup, uh, you and your son are going to be a big part of it. Ricky, uh, as always, thank you, thank you so much. For- as a wrestling fan, you know it's hard. All the blood, the sweat, the tears, the chairs. It's a hard day out there. And do you know what tastes incredible after a hard day in the ring? A Mike's Hard Lemonade. You get all hot and bothered, and then you can cool off with an ice-cold hard lemonade. Since day one, Mike's Hard Lemonade has been making lemonade the hard way. They take three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from Family Farms, and cold-press them to create a taste like no other. They choose to do things the hard way because they know hard days deserve a hard lemonade. That's why for 25 years, Nothing has tasted better after a hard day than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Find now in store, Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium malt beverage with flavors. Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters
1: Johnny Christ joins us here on Busted Open. Johnny, what's going on, man?
3: Uh, not much. Just waking up, man. This is—I'm I'm on West Coast time over here. It's 8:30. I just finished my first cup of coffee, but I'm excited to be here with you guys. Uh, yeah, Johnny, this, this,
2: this has <laughs> got to be a big deal for you. I mean, and you're on Busted Open with Bully Ray. I mean, this has to be a—oh, and uh, David, McGregor. this has to be
3: a big deal for you. Oh, please. It absolutely is. I'm a big fan, fanboy. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, grew up a uh, huge wrestling fan. Uh, so I, I'm excited to be here on busted open for sure. And, and you know, Johnny, this is, uh, if I could tell a little bit of
1: the backstory, this is an example of when the pro wrestling community is positive in the way that it should be, you know, we were introduced through Josh V the King, Josh Mm -hmm. V who's, you know, we met through this show and he does such an amazing job, not only as a drummer, but just as he's just a great dude. And he yeah. brought us together. So uh, I definitely want to talk about the new album that's dropping on Friday. I want to talk about Drinks With Johnny as well, because you're also yeah. a radio host, too. So, you know, but first and foremost, the albums dropping on Friday. Obviously, albums dropping are completely different now than, say, they were 10 or 15 years ago. I mean, what mm-hmm. is the process when you have a new album that's about to drop? Because like, it is so different. Than it was, like I said,
3: a decade or so ago. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's kind of like the Wild West again when it comes to re- releasing uh content and music these days. It's there's no there's no uh algorithm, there's no cheat code on how to do it. It you kind of get to be really creative again with it, which is actually really fun. We've done a lot of different stuff. We just had a art exhibit uh for the stuff that was done by Wes Lang on our album and stuff here in LA. And that was really cool. That was very different. We actually played the 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 record for fans and stuff over the speakers in the art show art museum exhibit. We went in there, met with them, said hi and stuff. And uh we've done this Area 15 in Las Vegas thing was an immersive A AR experience, augmented reality re- experience. Um we've Did a surprise drop of our second single with a VR 360 thing. If you have headsets, it's actually amazing. The guy who put it together used AI to help program it. Um, Man, there was, I mean, we're just, we're doing a lot of different stuff and we're not really sure what, what it's going to do, but it's, it's really fun for us. Uh, uh, And, you know, getting out and doing shows for the first time in five years has been awesome. We just started that back up. Um, And yeah, we're ready for, for Friday. I mean, we're going to be doing some listening parties here on Thursday night. Um, I know I'm going to be going to one here in Huntington at four suns. Uh, so it's all, it's all really exciting stuff happening.
2: Johnny, uh, most rock stars want to be wrestlers and most wrestlers want to be rock stars. Jericho (laughs) gets to do it both. Um, Uh, me and Dave have plenty of friends out there, out in the rock and roll industry who are huge wrestling fans as you are. Are, but me and Dave are huge rock and roll fans, and what always intrigues me is day one—the first day you ever got in a room or a recording studio or a garage with the current with with, with the with the other members of Avenged. And you hit that first note, kind of like when Motley hit that first note of Live Wire in the movie, The Dirt. Did you know in that moment that you had something special with Avenged?
3: I wish I could say yes, because that would be a much cooler story, but I can't. I I was trying out for the band and uh, my first time making noise with them, uh, as as their songs. I mean, I jammed with them before. I was I was really good friends with uh, uh, our, our brother, Jimmy, the Rep. Sullivan, uh, and I would jam with him a lot when they would finish up their their rehearsals. They were in a garage right down the street. I was the 16, 17-year-old punk kid that would come over and knock on the garage while they were rehearsing, and uh, then I'd start jamming out Primus stuff with Jimmy. But when I actually came to being the first, you know, avenged rehearsals that I was a part of, I still wasn't sure I was going to get the gig, you know, I, I wasn't really, so I can't say like in that moment, I was like, yes, yeah, they already had something special in my opinion, and I was just going to try and fit in. And uh, luckily enough, after a few shows uh, on a, my first tour with them, they, they offered me the gig and it was, I quit high school you know, that next week and uh, it was off to the races.
1: You know, Johnny, the, the, the new album drops uh, this Friday, June 2nd, and then I believe the tour kicks off the 9th of June and uh, at the Forum in Englewood. Like, when mm-hmm. you're playing in, like, you know, you're going to hit the Garden, uh, June, tw- June 23rd, you're going to be at Madison Square Garden, and you've right. done a lot of touring. Obviously, you've been with the band now for over 20 years. Like, yeah. when you play certain venues like Madison Square Garden, do you still get that thrill when you play there?
3: You know, this will be our first time playing Madison Square. Garden, wow. actually. So we're uh, it's also our first time playing the forum. We had uh slotted to play the forum in 2018. We had to cancel um our singer's voice got all got all messed up on the last cycle. Um he's doing much better now, obviously. We're we're, we're coming back and doing that. Uh, it's kind of a makeup show for that. So it'll be our first time playing both those arenas and uh uh, I will say it is going to be special. I mean, we're, we're really excited. I'm excited for the forum. That's the place where I go and see a lot of show, shows right now. The They redid it uh, a, a few years back, and it's just a great place to see a concert. It sounds amazing in there. I've seen I've seen a bunch of different I've seen Justin Timberlake, Bruno Mars, uh, My Chemical Romance. They all sounded great in that room, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and then Madison Square Garden, I mean, iconic, right? I mean, uh, we, we're bringing out uh, our boys following re- in reverse and then uh, Living Color uh, reached out to us actually, put their name in the hat and we said they they had never played Madison Square Garden. we're like, you guys are legends, of course. Yes, come on, come with us and let's do this together for the first time. So it's uh, it, Madison Square Garden's gonna be a real special one too. And uh, I'm gonna have the family out with me for that one.
2: Johnny, congratulations on your first Garden gig. Hope you uh, guys kick okay. ass. And would you, in your opinion, the Forum has the greatest dressing rooms out of any arena in the on the entire planet?
3: uh I would, I would say so. I mean, especially when you put in the Forum Club as part of the the, the backstage, if you will. Yeah, um I was at the Forum hanging out with Darby and Sting in January. Uh, cause Name I, dropping, i that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might as well. I might as well. I'm on a wrestling show, right? <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, I was, I, uh, Darby's actually come on my podcast a couple years ago and we became fast friends after that. Um, so anytime he's, he's around town, I like to make sure I go out and see him and say hi. And, uh, yeah, I went back there. Um, and their rooms, I mean, I would say they're they look pretty nice. I again, this is my first time at the forum, so that I, I only know the, the forum club, and that is awesome. They always have like a nice spread of like cake and, and a bunch of shit up there. Not that I partake in the cake, but I know they got booze, so I'm always happy to go over there. Um, but they, you know, they have just,
2: secret rooms in the forum. Do you they find, yeah, in the dressing rooms have secret rooms that go deeper and deeper in the forum, and you have to kind of know what's book to pull down or which lever to pull and then you know really? you know the extracurricular activities go on in the back you know so it, it's amazing but talk to me how about how many times have you
3: done the forum bully
2: uh twice okay twice cuz normally Brother, when we were there, we were doing the Staples Center. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I, yeah. I know it. I know it. <laughs> the, the Forum uh, is a, is a great
2: uh, building. You talked about becoming fast friends with Darby Allin. Um, yeah. We know the Darby Allen that we see on Dynamite and in AEW and why we uh, enjoy his performances and why we love him. Talk to me about Darby the human being and how you were able to become friendly with him so quick.
3: You know, I think he's just he's just a good dude. Um honestly, like he's, you know, he, and and his approach to the business is is really inspiring to me, like cuz it's just it's just entertainment in general. We I consider us all under the same umbrella when you really look at it. It's all entertainment, right? And uh the way that he approaches it is just like he doesn't want to be with any drama or anything. And I could relate to that coming up in the metal genre in the early two thousands. There was a lot of politics and, and everything, everyone uh, posturing up against, against one another. Um, and it was all good, fun competition, but Darby really just like separates himself from all that stuff and just really sticks focused to what he wants to accomplish. Also his love for AEW, it, it, like picking him up out of the uh, independent circuit and just going on and allowing him to, still skateboard and do all the crazy stunts that he likes to do um while under contract i think that's that's something else that i really find intriguing and uh his story of just being um you know uh what was it he went to he went to college for uh film school actually uh for a little while and he really is is deep into into movies and stuff and uh, and wants to create movies and wants he just wants all these assets of or, or aspects of life and entertainment and control it and go for it. And I just I find that so inspiring because I, I, I just started the podcast when I when I um, had met him. And that was part of me, you know, branching out onto different platforms and stuff and, and things of that nature. And then he's just, like I said, he comes over, stays at the house. He's really cool with my son, who's a big fan of his. You know, they hang out and stuff. He's brought over the TNT title in the past and stuff. And, uh, you know, we just get along. We like the same music, too. He's he's a he's a punk rocker, man. And I, he, he grew, he's grew up on a lot of the same bands I did, too. Ramones with the Sex Pistols. I'm more of a Ramones guy. I'm, that might be. Uh, I, I know sex, sex Pistols came before them, of course, but I'm more of a Ramones guy. Being from the states, I'm sorry, everyone across the pond, but it's the it's the way it is for me. Actually, <laughs> uh,
1: Fear is better than both those
3: bands, but I digress.
1: Uh, so, but but Johnny, you just said something interesting because I, I'm as as Bully said, we're big music fans. I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan. And I remember the first time I interviewed him, I told him, you know, this is a pro wrestling show. And he goes, it doesn't matter. It's all I entertain. That's a humble brag right there,
3: too. The first first time I... The first time I interviewed
2: him. <laughs> oh, the first time. The first time.
3: But, but, me. I'm like, why don't you hook me up with this number after this, too? While we're but, but,
1: well, you got your connections, please. Um, um, but, you know, like, but he said, you know, it doesn't matter. It's all entertainment. At the end of the day, it yeah. is, right? We're, we're like you and Bully, you're all performers and you're there uh, to entertain you know, and I I mentioned Alice Cooper, but has there been somebody, whether it's been in the music business or the wrestling business, or maybe even on, you know, your podcast, Drinks with Johnny, that like you're about to interview that you really kind of got nervous
3: interviewing, that you kind of felt like a kid again? Um, there's been a few actually, if I'm being honest there. I mean, Fat Mike from No Effects, I I i had been friendly with him before in passing, but we weren't like super tight, so that was, and I, I grew up transcribing all of his bass parts and stuff as a kid, and then now we've become a little closer, um, yeah, I, I consider us friends now, uh, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts uh, was like my second or third guest on the show, um, he happened to be here in Huntington Beach where I'm from, and uh, my producer reached out to him, and it was a funny story actually, because my, my producer is just a uh, contract manager for edison or at the time he was and he was like yeah let me help you out with this podcast thing you're doing uh jake the snake's coming around let me see if i could get him on your show i'm like how are you gonna get jake the snake roberts hall of famer on my on my podcast sure enough he got him on the podcast and i went over to uh jake's hotel we filmed i was super green to podcasting i barely knew anything of what i was doing but he was he was really nice about everything and we had a great chat but I mean, yeah, it was very intimidating going over. Also, I'm I'm not a very big guy, and Jake is a huge guy, so it was very intimidating in person to be uh, trying to get to know him um, uh, right off the bat.
2: And there's something you don't hear very often: somebody who went to Jake's hotel room and lived to tell about it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, I, he could have eaten me alive. He, 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 you know, I know he's I know he's not in the ring anymore, but I mean, damn, like. Yeah, that guy, that boy can use it. It's different. You know what I mean? I was talking to some friends the other day, like, uh, you, you professional wrestlers, like you don't, you see it on TV and you know, everyone's like a little bit bigger. You guys are athletes and everything like that. But until you're like standing next to someone you that like a Jake or, or maybe like yourself, bully, it's like the sheer mass. It's not even the height. It's just the sheer mass of you guys is just, it's just different. It's, it's, it's the same as like athletes. You go see, a, uh, uh, meet someone from the NFL or anything like that too. But it's just, it throws you back a little bit. I was, I was definitely, cause you know, Jake was a bigger guy, but he wasn't, you know, he's not Taker. He's not Kane, but he's a big dude, you know?
2: And, and I said, I'm ninety five, 295. And even when I stood next to Taker was tall, but Kane was just massive. I like heard, yeah. Kane had so much dense muscle on him. You knew that you when you were standing next to him, you were just he, he could manhandle you, and he normally did.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh the mayor, the mayor of Knox, right? Yes. Yeah. I watched his Do- uh, documentary a couple weeks ago on uh A E. It was it was really good. He's a good dude. Yeah, those he
1: A&E seems A&E like dogs A and really E nice are great. Guy. Uh the new album, uh Life is But a Dream, drops Friday, June 2nd, and you know, you you said you're with the band now, 21 years. It's a long time, man. And you're still a young man. Like you're you're a very young guy. Um,
3: Some days I don't feel like it, but thank you.
1: <laughs> well, wait till you get to be my age, Johnny, and then you're really gonna start to feel. <laughs> if it.
3: I'm lucky enough to make it, if I'm lucky enough to make I'm it. I'm not that fucking
1: old, man. All right, so <laughs> Jesus, uh, I'm 51. You son of a bitch.
3: But um, <laughs> oh, you're still young, oh, man. Yeah, you whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs>
1: Um, uh, so, but Johnny, like, and this album, I hear more than ever, like you really push the boundaries on this album, a lot of different influences, jazz, a lot of prog, you know, it was that a conscious effort to, to kind of extend yourself as a band for this new album.
3: Yeah. I mean, we kind of always do that. It's just, it's, it's always a different journey. Like this band, um, you know, we always say, it and we really mean it. We're, we're at, we're, we're a family and we don't do this for the business aspect of it. We do it because we love each other and we have fun doing it together. And the moment it's not fun anymore, we're not gonna do it. We wanna make new music. Um, and for us to get going, we wanted to challenge ourselves yet again. Every album we try to challenge ourselves to do something different, to 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 expand uh, you know, our, our artistry. And this one was no different in that sense, but in other senses, like you brought up, there was, Different influences this time around, I'll say, and we really wanted to just be bold. I guess is a lot of the things you know, like can we can we put in vocoders and and tell everyone that we were inspired partly by Kanye West and scare the shit out of everybody? And we did. We basically like when well, we we took from his production and stuff like that. He's a, he's a great producer. All all other things aside. Um, And a lot of other influences Zappa is in there. um, You know, uh, basically we just went completely wild with it and anything that sounded kind of off kilter, we, we kept and then rehomed and then got rid of all the fat when we were, when when we were all said and done with it. We, this is actually our, took us the longest to make, but it's our shortest record at only 53 minutes uh, as a whole. But uh, i I dare anyone to think that there's not a lot of information going on about the whole thing. There's more information in a shorter amount of time, put it that way. And uh that's what we that's what we set out to do, man. It's and it's I'm really proud of uh the rest of the boys in the band and myself for being able to put this thing together. And I can't wait for everyone to hear it on, on the second, because it's it's a journey, man. And uh I, I make the joke that it's a grower, not a shower. So give it a few more lessons. I promise you'll you'll get into it.
2: You can relate to that, Girl Greco right? Well, yeah, I, I, my favorite albums, no grower, not a shower. You're an asshole. How about you're, that an, one how, about, how
1: about you're an asshole. I had something nice to say, a compliment, but you know what? <laughs> Buddy, fuck
2: you. I'll just continue to talk to Johnny. So no, I so, want to ask Johnny a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Johnny, I, I, I yeah. had the luxury of being in the ring with some legends like Ric Flair, uh, mark out moments, which tour were you on with a band that's bigger than Avenged Avenged that you got to mark out for?
3: Uh that's easy. It was uh the first time Metallica took us out. Uh we were in Europe. Um I remember the first show, or it wasn't maybe it wasn't the first show, but it was the first show that they brought us out on stage with them to sing Commando oh, by the Ramones, It came up again. Um and uh yeah, it was it was a surreal one it was six uh June sixth, 06. So it was six six oh six. Um and uh we got up there with them and they were awesome. We became friendly with them over the years now. And then we've we've we did the uh, uh the, the stadium tour with them in 2017, 2008 2017, I think. Um, which was awesome. But yeah, that first tour that we went out with them absolutely marked out. Um they before that even happened, we were at the Fillmore in in San Francisco, and they came out. I remember Robert Trujillo uh, introduced himself backstage. And as soon as that door closed, I me and me and Jimmy just gave each other the biggest. I were like, this is insane. They actually came to one of our shows. And then a couple of years later, they're like, hey, come out with us in Europe. And, uh, we, you know, they were playing ginormous places. Um, that one that one in particular was in Berlin. And I mean, there was probably 60,000 people there. And at the time, we'd never seen a crowd that size so it was it was very cool very surreal and so glad to say now that they were such good people and and awesome to us that we we are now become friends and you know we talk to we talk to, to each other often actually so it's it's pretty cool
1: and, and john we just have a couple of minutes here before we sign off today and thank okay. you so much for coming and thank you for being a part of Anytime. the show and you know we talk about the pro wrestling community being like a tight-knit Community. I guess you could say the same thing about the rock world, like the King Josh Anita Strauss. Even I guess you throw Chris Jericho in there as well. Has done such great things with Fozzie. Is it really just that tight community when it comes to rock music?
3: Uh, I think I think it's in the sense that everyone knows everyone at, at, at a certain point. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty tight. Um, some of those guys you named are I've become friends with, but um, you know, it is a little. You, you run into each other at the festivals. Is really when it happens. You play the, you play these rock festivals and you run into each other and and you, and, and yeah, it, it is a tight community in that sense for sure. Um, you know, but I've been away from the community for about five years now until we just recently got back into it. So yeah, uh, I'm excited to uh, to rub some more elbows again. But um, yeah, I, I'd say it's pretty tight. You know, there's there, you know there's there's some some places that are tight and there's other ones that is not so much. I guess. Are-
1: all right, I, again, the show is Drinks With Johnny. I, I guess, Bully, we must have lost the invite to be on the show, but hopefully at some point we will get an invite we'll get we'll to be on going. Drinks With Johnny. We're only Johnny.
2: the number one pro wrestling show on the yeah, entire you know, planet. You know. I mean, whatever. Yeah. All right,
1: maybe we don't sell out Madison Square Garden like Event Seven. Yes, I do. Oh, that's right, you did. <laughs> yeah, uh, multiple
3: <laughs> times with multiple companies. That's right, bully. Yeah,
1: good point by you. And again, the new album. So this is, is like, how really we like, get
3: in touch. This is how we get in contact, though, Dave. It's, it's guys like Josh, and then yes, I would absolutely love love to have both of you guys come on the show any any time. Any you, you, you tell you. me when you're free. Busted open is
1: part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Open Trial to start your free trial today.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?